0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. You've been enjoying uh, this Ephesians study? Amen. Amen. Pastor Ken did an amazing job the past two weeks on chapter one. And we're going to dive into chapter two uh, today and next week as well. So hopefully you learn some good things tonight. We'll all learn some good things, because how many of you know there's always more that we can learn? We can read the scripture. I can read the scripture. In fact, when I was reading and studying for uh, this series, I saw more things in the scripture that I didn't see before. And how many of you love that about God's word? That you can look in it one day, and you look in it in the next, and God will show you something so completely different and so completely vital uh, for your life at that moment. Uh, real quick story. So it, it's going to make sense uh, as we continue to go on through, through this uh, message today. Um, but my son, uh, he and I, uh, he had done something disobedient. And um, I, I'm sorry if you don't like this, but I spanked my children. And so <laughs> I do um, spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, I spanked my children. So he had done something and he had gotten a spanking. And, but the, the thing that I do when I spank my children is I make sure I let them know why I did it. I'm just spanking but I let them know why. So we were riding in the car after he had gotten in trouble. And I, uh, you know, I waited for a little while after he had stopped crying and all of that good stuff. And I said, son, you know uh, why I had to spank you, right? He said, yeah, because I was disobedient. And I said, now you know I spank you because I love you, right? And he stopped, he was quiet. And I could see the wheels turning in his head. He said, Daddy, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) And I just had to laugh. I really, literally, I just bust out laughing. He said, Daddy, that doesn't make sense. I said, well, son, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't spank you. As you get older, you'll understand a little bit more. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to say that to me, and I just didn't get it. I'm like, this hurts. What do you mean you love me? (laughs) But the scripture tells us that God chastens those that he loves. So... We're going to learn as we go through uh, this scripture, through this chapter, if you will, and even through this book, some things may convict you. You may find some correction as we're going through these scriptures, these passages, these chapters, but God chastens those that he loves. So if you get correction, if you get conviction, it's because God loves you. Amen? So over the last uh, week, pa- Pastor Ken did a great job of uh, you know, giving an introduction on not just chapter one, but the entire book of Ephesians. And he gave you a quick background, and you'll have it in your notes. I'm gonna kind of skim over that really quick. And we know that the book of Ephesians, as well as the majority of the New Testament, was written by the Apostle Paul. The purpose of the book of Ephesians is to reveal the mystery of, of the church. And we see point number one, God's secret intention revealed to form a body to express Christ's fullness on earth. It's the purpose of the book of Ephesians. He wants to bring us together to express the fullness of Christ on this earth. Number two, to do this by uniting one people, both Jew and Gentile, among whom God himself dwells within. We see there that there's two classifications of people there. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. And I don't know if there's anybody in here that's Jewish outside of Abbey sitting in the back, Um, but (laughs) if you are, it's okay. God's bringing us all together, Jews and Gentiles. I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile, but God is bringing us all together together. He dwells within us. Number three, to equip, empower, and mature his body of believers to the end that they extend Christ's victory over evil. So not only does uh, he want us to come together to form a body to express his fullness on the earth, not only does he want us to come together has a family, but he wants to equip us and empower us and mature us so that the things, the evils that may have gotten victory over us, we begin to have victory over it. Amen? Chapter two, we're going to see that chapter two really focuses on God's grace. And then you'll see in Uh, letter D, that Jesus is revealed throughout the entire book of Ephesians, but in Ephesians chapter two, you'll see him revealed as the peacemaker and the chief cornerstone. Let's pray really quick before we go into reading the scripture. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people, to bring forth your word. I thank you, Father God, that we are going to get a better understanding of what you have to say to us through these scriptures And Father, we'll begin to uh, be empowered, we'll be equipped, we'll be mature, and we'll begin to walk, Father, as we said here, uh, in the fullness of Christ on this earth. And also, Father, that we will begin to have more victory over evil on this earth. Thank you that you are growing us. Thank you all you're going to do in our lives and tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll start at verse 1 through 10 in the NIV. It's on your notes. If you have your Bibles, you can also turn there as well. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. If you have pens, underline that. By nature, we were deserving of wrath. But because of God, of his great love for us, God, who is rich, say rich, in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace, say grace, you have been saved. Verse number six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Say grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, again say grace. You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I was so excited that Pastor King gave me uh, chapter two to teach, because this is like my favorite script or a favorite chapter in all of the Bible, I love Ephesians chapter two, because there's so much in there, and there 's a foundation that we find as we go through this uh, this scripture or this chapter that helps us to live in our authority, it helps us to live in our position, the rightful position that God has placed us in you 'll see at the end of chapter one, and I hope you guys have read through these uh, chapters, and I encourage you that Read through these chapters as we're going through, as we're teaching them. They'll help you so that the first time you see it is not when we're preaching it, but you may read through and you may find something. And then when we come together and we teach, just like we're doing tonight, it may open up something, it may help you. And then take these notes and use them in your devotion time. Take them, use them. But you'll see at the end of chapter one, Paul considered that the ultimate example of God's power, God's power was the resurrection of Jesus. The ultimate example of God's power was the resurrection of Jesus. When God raised Jesus from the dead, that was the biggest example, the ultimate example of how much power God had. And then as we go through chapter two, you'll see that it will speak to Jesus' resurrection power for our lives. Paul wants us to talk, or Paul wants to talk to us about the grace of God. You're going to hear me talk about a lot about grace. And I may tell you 10,000 times, say grace, say grace, say grace. (laughs) But grace, grace, grace is a gift of God for our lives. Point number one, verse one. In the Amplified, it says, and you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins. Paul tells us here that we were made alive, which of course indicates that we were once dead. Not only does he tell us that we've been made alive and that we were once dead, but he tells us how we died, if you will. Now, how we lived in this dead state, or dead, sinful nature. And he tells us that it's by our trespasses and it's by our sins. Now, I've read this scripture again many, 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 many times. And every time I've read this scripture, I don't know about you, but I've always used that word transgressions and sins kind of interchangeably. And I've said that we were made alive, we were once dead by our transgressions and by our sins. But this time I kind of slowed down a little bit and I looked into some definitions and, you know, really just dug deep to find out exactly what Paul was trying to say here. Because, of course, there's a differentiation between. Transgressions or trespasses and sins. But we first see that Christians were made alive, point number A, or letter A, made alive from the dead. Again, that indicates that we were once dead. Now, this isn't talking about a physical death. We know that. But he's talking about a spiritual death. You were once dead. That spiritual death or separation from God, if you will. You were once Separated from God. But he's saying now you're made li- alive or rejoined to God. B. But he tells us again that we were separated from God or dead because of our trespasses. So again, I looked at this word trespasses and I got a definition here in your notes and it means now what we'll see is that trespasses and sins, they have the same uh, meaning literally in the Webster or whatever dictionary you look up but the meaning in the scripture has completely different uh, meanings, if you will, or connotation. Trespasses here, to commit an offense against a person or set of rules. Now we hear this word trespass uh, used Throughout our society today, for instance, someone breaks into your home, they're called what? A trespasser. They're trespassing. They're not a burglar until they actually steal something. When they come into your home or invade your privacy or invade your property, they are trespassing. If you go to a private property, it may have a fence around that, pri- that property and it'll have a sign all around those fences and it'll say private property, no trespassing. And so if you cross over that, uh, that fence or you cross that boundary, then you are trespassing, you are violating the law. You're doing something that is illegal. And so this word trespassing here is what we see as crossing and a uh, first uh, bullet point there, crossing God's boundaries. Crossing God's boundaries. God has set up boundaries for us, for our life, all through the scripture. We see it first in the Old Testament with the Ten Commandments. He gave us a law that we were supposed to live by, abide by, and those were the boundaries that God set. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And goes through all 10 of them and gives us those boundaries that we're supposed to not cross. And when we cross them, we are considered trespassing. Crossing God's boundaries. And so what we, what we know with trespassing is you obviously know that this is not right. You know that it's illegal to come into someone's home, uh, someone else's home that's not yours, it's illegal to cross over a boundary line uh, of private pr- property with a sign that clearly says no trespassing. So if you actually do that, you have something in your mind knowing that this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so in your second point, you'll see that this word trespass relates to being deliberate or willful. You know it's wrong, but you're going to do it anyway. Now, how many of you know that we've been there? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for you. We've been there. Well, we know exactly what God's word tells us about a certain thing, about a certain situation or how we're supposed to act, but we do it anyway. It's deliberate, it's willful. That's trespassing. And so the the third bullet point there is that you'll see the word trespass speaks of man as a rebel. Rebellious in nature. I'm going against what I know I'm supposed to be doing. It's willful, it's deliberate, it's rebellious. And so Paul tells us that you were dead by your willful, deliberate trespasses or sins, if you will. You were dead because of those willful things that you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you did it anyway. And then he not only tells us that we're dead because of our trespasses, but he tells us we're dead because of our sins. And you'll see in the notes there that sins means offend against God, a person, or a principle. Now, these, or these uh, definitions were pulled right out of the dictionary, and you can see where they kind of relate, but it has a different meaning, as we said, in the scripture, and sins here is really talking about, in your first bullet, missing the mark, God's perfect standards. God has perfect standards, things that we are supposed to do, ways that we are supposed to operate as children of God. And how many of you know, sometimes in our pressing, uh, those perfect standards, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He doesn't expect us to, uh, to do everything right all the time, but he expects us to strive for perfection. We strive for perfection, but sometimes we just don't make it. We miss the mark, that's a sin. That means I've been trying, I've been pressing, you know, I, I've, I've been addicted to this thing for so long, and I've been gone, I've been clean for 30 days, but on that 31st day, something happened and I just fail. That's a sin, that's missing the mark. But there's grace available. So you see the difference here between uh, trespass and sins, and sin speaks of man as a failure. How many of you have ever missed the mark? You knew what you were supposed to do and you just kind of missed it and you just felt, man, I messed up. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do this thing again and I did it again. I messed up. And how many of you are thankful for God's grace? Listen, we've all been there. where well, we've been striving, but we just missed the mark. I like how Paul says it in Romans three, I believe it's 23, he says that all have sinned, and what, fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, I want you to take a second, look to your left, look to your right. Every person that you just looked at has fallen short of the glory of God. Can I tell you that you're not alone? Paul said it, he hasn't. I'm just joking, (laughs) he didn't say that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's grace available for all of us. So we see again, trespasses and sins, there is a difference. Let's go to point number two, verse two through three in the Amplified. It says, in which at one time you walked habitually. Say habitually. This, is some, this means that, listen, you... Have been doing this thing over and over and over again. It's just like second nature. Sometimes you do it and you don't even recognize that you're doing it. You've been, he's saying, we've been at that place. You've walked in this place of doing something habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world, we're under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You are obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Paul is saying here, listen, you've walked in this position before. Now, I don't think that Paul is telling them this for any other reason but to keep them humble. That's just my opinion. When I read through this scripture, he's reminding them that, listen, you're alive now, but don't forget that you were once dead. Don't forget that you were once dead. Verse number three, among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses underline impulses if you have a, a pen, of the flesh and the thoughts, underlying thoughts, of the mind. Our cravings dictated by our senses and dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. That's powerful right there. And Paul is reminding them, point A, listen, you were once influenced and guided by the fashions of this world. The fashions of this world, meaning that you were just kind of flowing along with the trends. I remember being uh, in high school, and it wasn't too long ago, But there was a time where when I was in high school that you know you we knew all the trends like everybody had to wear a Tommy Hilfiger, you got to wear a Polo, you've got to wear Guess, you've got to wear Air Force 1s and Jordans, you know, and it's funny that I see that Jordans were big then. I used to wait in line for hours to get Jordans, you know, 15 years ago, and now today people are still doing the same thing. Just it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I thought it made sense then, but it just doesn't make sense now. But I remember that I once walked in those, you know, those fashions. <laughs> but there was a time where we once followed the in crowd. That we kind of followed those trends. If the world was saying this, we said that. If they were wearing this, we wore that. If they were doing this, we did that. And Paul said you were, you were there, you were flowing in that river, if you will. First bullet there, Satan guides the in crowd. He guides the in crowd. And what a lot of people, you know, and I've heard this so many times that people say God is in control of the world. Can I tell you God's not in control of the world? Because if God was in control of the world, a lot of things would be different. There's a lot of things that would happen differently if God was in control of the world. Now, there was once a time where God was in control because man was in control. But then man relinquished that authority of being in control by falling short. And at that point in time, the prince of the power of the air or Satan or the enemy became in control of what happens in the world. And so you see that Satan guides the in crowd Point number two, he used to be more subtle. How many of you know that there were times where certain sins like we see today or certain things that we see more prevalent today wasn't as prevalent years ago? It, what, you didn't see it on TV. There were certain words that would be bleeped out on a TV show that they just kind of, pff, just put out there. It's like, whoa, my six-year-old is watching this, which our six-year-old should be watching it anyway if we're talking like that. But even now, if you look at Nickelodeon, sometimes there are some shows on Nickelodeon that I have to tell my kids, "Hey, don't watch that. Turn that off." Some of those shows with teenagers, and you'll see, you know, uh, uh, you know, children kissing, and boys and girls, and 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 boys and boys and girls and girls. You'll see all these things that just kind of right in your face. He's not subtle anymore. He's bold. And what a lot of people don't know is the enemy, the devil, Satan, is very intelligent. A lot of times we say he's dumb. No, he's not dumb. He's very intelligent. Because he knows the right way to say things that will kind of make you something that you used to believe, you kind of think a little differently about it now. Like, well, wait a minute. He did it to Eve in the garden when God had clearly given Adam an instruction, he said, well, you won't surely die. I know he said you were going to die, but you won't surely die. It's it's not going to be that bad. He even did it to Jesus because Satan knows the word. And so he'll take the word and he'll try to twist it and he'll say, uh, take it out of context and make you feel like, oh, well, that's from the word. Maybe that is right. He told Jesus, put him up on the mountain, said, go ahead, jump off. Your angels are going to catch you so that you won't dash your foot against the stone. He said the word right back to him. He's intelligent and he's not subtle anymore. So we can't be subtle in our responses to the enemy. So again, we see that Paul is telling us uh, that we once walked in these ways, we once flowed in these trends, and, and, and one of the things that I said was, I, I feel that Paul is saying this because he wanted to keep the, the people of Ephesus humble. Letter B, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. And oftentimes we, we have the, uh, the tendency to forget where we came from. Now, some things we want to forget, (laughs) I don't know about you, but there are some things that you kind of want to forget, but there are some things that, listen, you don't need to forget, and it's it's for a couple reasons. You don't want to forget where you came from in a sense that, now the enemy will try, and let, let me go to this point first, don't allow the enemy to remind you of your past, but don't forget your past. Don't don't allow him to remind you of your past because when he reminds you of your past, he'll say, Hey, you remember you did that years ago? Why did you do that? What were you thinking? And you think somebody's gonna listen to you now? You think you're gonna walk in prosperity now? You think you're gonna do these things now when you did that in the past? He'll try to remind you of your past. But God says don't forget your past for a couple reasons. One of the reasons he doesn't want you to forget your past is because he wants you to look back sometimes and say, man, God delivered me from that. Woo, look where I am right now. Glory to God. And sometimes remembering where God brought you from helps you to go through what you're going through today. Because if the same God that delivered me back then, he's the same God that can deliver me right now. So don't forget where you came from, but don't stay there. And I like how Paul said it. He said, listen, I forget those things that are behind. I know what I did back then, but I forget those things and I continue to press. I continue to strive for perfection, for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Don't forget where you came from. And I like to say this, that the enemy will try to remind you of your past, but you turn around and remind him of his future. Glory to God. Point C, letter C. He said we walked according to the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind. The impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind. Number one. Cravings. Talked about that in other translations. You'll see that word cravings. And it means a powerful desire for something, a yearning. Now, let me let you in on my life. So, and some of you can probably attest to this, you can probably agree. 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, sitting in the bed, watching TV, know I should be asleep. I know I should be asleep. And all of a sudden, man, I want something sweet. That's a craving. That's the impulse of the flesh. Man, a chocolate chip cookie would be really good right now. And then the thoughts start going, man, that chocolate chip cookie at the bottom of a bowl with two scoops of ice cream on the top and some caramel just kind of drizzle over it. Jesus, that's the best thing next to heaven right there. No. <laughs> And Paul tells us, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, but we see in the scripture where where he says that if we walk in the spirit, that we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the cravings, the impulses of the flesh. So the way that we uh, stop or prevent ourselves from walking in the impulses and the cravings of the flesh is by walking in the spirit. So my flesh said, listen, I want a chocolate chip cookie with some ice cream and caramel on top right now. And then I hear the voice of the spirit through my wife saying, David, go to sleep. (laughs) It's too late, go to bed. And that's what will happen in our own lives. We may feel that impulse, that craving kind of leading us to walking in our flesh and then you'll hear the spirit say, hey, come this way, don't do that. Turn that off. Don't go to that website. Close your computer. Don't respond to that text message. Delete that Facebook person. You'll hear the Spirit talking to you. D, verse number three, and I like, I like, I like, I like the message paraphrase. It says, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. How many of you remember being there? Doing what you felt like doing when you felt like doing it. He said, all of us were in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. How many of you can look back and say, man, God didn't kill me back then? Ooh. Grace. Come on, say grace. Grace. And we're going to see this grace in uh, point number three, in verse four through five in the NIV. It says, but because of God's or his great love for us, God, who is rich, again, say rich, and mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions or trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved. So we see here that there are two reasons that God has reconciled us back to himself. We talked about the spiritual death being a separation from God, and now we see here that there are two reasons that God brought us back or reconciled us back into fellowship with himself. Number one is his great love. His great love. Because of his great love for us. And then number two, his mercy. Mercy. Now, when I was growing up, uh, mercy and grace was one of those words that I kind of used interchangeably as well. And then I kind of got caught wind of it. I'm not going to say that this is in the Bible. I looked this up in in a dictionary or something like that. But when I look at the word mercy, I say that mercy is God withholding what I deserve, or what you deserve. That's the mercy of God. When there is something that you deserve, God withholds it. Scripture says that the wages of sin is what? Okay, but the gift of God is eternal life. So if the wages of, wages of sin, if my payment for my sin is supposed to be death, God's mercy withholds death, and his grace comes and gives me the gift of God, which gives me eternal life. And so you see, mercy is God withholding what we do deserve, but grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Glory to God. How many of you are thankful for his mercy and his grace? Hallelujah. So it's the gift of God. It's by grace that we have been saved. I got six minutes, so I'm going to move a little fast. Verse number number six and seven, point number four. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we see here that Paul is telling us our present position our present position, and we're not seated with him, but we're seated in him. Now, of course, we're not seated with him because we're still here, but he's telling us, listen, your spiritual, your authority, or your position in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realms, is in Christ Jesus. And we, take, uh, we can get encouragement or have courage in that knowing that God sees us. When he sees us, he sees us in Christ Jesus. So when you speak a word according to the word, of course, God doesn't just see you, but he sees Jesus. God just doesn't hear you, but he hears Jesus. Why? Because you are seated in him. Not with him, but in him. Our life and identity is found in him, in Christ So as he sits in heavenly places, so do we. Listen, let me tell you to use that in your prayer life. That when you see life come and hit you and you feel like you're being overtaken or overwhelmed by life, you say, listen, as he's seated in heavenly places, so am I. If he can overcome this, so can I. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God will never stop dealing. Uh, Let her see. He'll never stop dealing with you or with us on the basis of the riches of His grace. There is nothing that you can do that God will not stop dealing with you according to His grace. Woo! I think y'all missed that one? I'm preaching to myself. Jesus. Absolutely nothing that you can do that God will, that will prevent or make God stop dealing with you according to His grace. You may even feel like, listen, this thing here, he, he can't have enough grace for that. All the stuff with, that I've, I've done and add this on top of it, he can't have any more grace. The next point says he's got more than enough for you. He's got more than enough grace for you. All the demands that can ever be made on the grace of God will never impoverish him or even diminish his storage. He'll never run out of grace for you. Number five, verse eight through 10. And the message says, saving is all his idea. Come on, somebody. And all his work. All we do is trust in him. Enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. What does that mean? That means that there is nothing that you can do to get salvation. There's no works. There's nothing you can give up. There's nothing you can stop doing that will give you salvation. It's a gift from God that's what grace is. And so you see in point A there that God alone gets the glory. And I'm going to forego reading the rest of that scripture for the sake of time, but you'll see through that scripture that uh, he says that it's a gift of God, not of works because we'll walk around bragging about it. Do you remember what I gave up? You don't know where I came from. I did all of that. I stopped doing all of that. And look where I am right now. From Where you were to where you are now, it was all God. And He alone gets the glory. Hallelujah. Verse 5 in the message, and I like this, it says that He did all this on His own with no help from us. B, this is the part I love. We are His workmanship. Come on, His workmanship. He saves us not merely to save us from the wrath we rightly deserve, but also to make something beautiful out of us. He didn't just save you from his wrath. And Chris, if you're in the back, you can go ahead and come up. But he saved you to make something beautiful out of you. Are you serious? Yeah. Think thousands and thousands and th- not thousands and thousands, but thousands of years ago. You weren't even thought of your parents, weren't thought of your parents, parents, and your parents, parents, parents. And, and you can keep going. Weren't even thought of. But what happened? God sent Jesus and God in his infinite wisdom. Listen, he knew what they were doing at that time and he knew what you were doing. going to do at this time. And because of that, he sent Jesus. Knowing the things that you were gonna do, knowing where you were gonna go, how bad you were gonna be, he sent Jesus because of his great love for you and because of his mercy and his grace. Not to save you from his wrath, but to make something beautiful out of you. Well, Pastor Dave, you don't know where I've been. I don't feel beautiful. Listen, the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully or beautifully made. There is absolutely nothing that you can do that will cause God to stop loving you, that will cause him to turn his back on you. When God sees you, he sees you seated in Jesus, so he sees you beautiful. Pastor Dave, my past, hey, God doesn't condemn you where the enemy tries to remind you of where you've been and what you've done, God says, hey, listen, I know where you've been. I know, I've seen it. I even know what you're gonna do years from now. But guess what? I still love you. And I can still make something beautiful out of your life if you just trust me. If you just let go and trust me. In the Jerusalem Bible, your last point there, This is where workmanship translates to meaning a work of art. A work of art. You are God's work of art. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.